0: All right, let's review where we are at right now. And that is, there is a kingdom and that kingdom has a king and I'm not it and neither are you. All right, we're going to dive into our next topic and that is the king. He requires repentance. Now, when you hear that word, you might shrink. With that word is a lot of uh, negative connotation. It means uh, different things for different people. Now, I've had my experience, both good and bad with this. And on both extremes, I've experienced uh, this word, you know, under legalism, under a religiosity that requires you to uh, strive to please uh, an angry God. uh, There is a concept of repentance that um that you always have to be repentant which leaves you very like sin conscious and always looking at uh, your mistakes and always looking at the places that you failed this kind of system uh sets you up to uh, be very sin conscious and that is that you have to make sure there's absolutely no sin in your life or you might not go to heaven and or you might miss the rapture or whatever else they want to attach to that that is their concept an idea of repentance i've experienced that and then also on the flip side there's a very um uh, loosey-goosey form of repentance and that is that you just begin to think think differently uh it's more like a belief system sort of transformation um fixing your thinking errors and correcting your limiting beliefs so we have both of these sides one is like very strict and rigid form of of repentance i've experienced that and then the more loose side of repentance about um transforming your mindset and your belief systems and it doesn't really uh, say anything about the heart so inside of our society we have um both of those being propagated in in mass scale uh we also have a very uh health wealth prosperity uh type gospel that's being propagated out there that uh maybe Repentance is not required at all, you know, and so we have all of these different uh, things. I'm sure you've experienced one form of these or another. So I'm going to dive into the scripture uh, Matthew four seventeen. Matthew four seventeen. It says this: From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Now, I want you to um, say this and repeat it back as you are saying it to God, just so we can solidify this and get us uh, fully into this belief system. Lord, you begin to preach and you begin to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when I say that, I feel a, a confirmation of God saying, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. And so then I repeat this back to me and I hear it as he is saying it to me. And that is Tim, I begin to preach and I begin to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I find myself in the same manner, uh, shaking my head in agreement on having this inner amen that goes along with that. So this is the truth. This is what's being said. Now, uh, I want to point out, uh, some of the different translations that, uh, that really, uh, give more clarity about what is being spoken and what is being said. So the amplified Bible says this from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what they did with that version is they begin to define everything that uh, repentance could possibly be. And they went ahead and put that definition inside of the, inside of the translation, which is really powerful to look all, at all of those different things. The plain English version says this. From then on, Yahshua began to preach and to say, return to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And lastly, God's word translation says this from then on, Jesus began to tell people, turn to God, change the way you think and act because the kingdom of heaven is near. So the point that I want to bring out here is that the king has laid out that uh, repentance is required. And not only that, it was the first words to uh, to come out of his mouth uh, in that fashion. And so it gives us like utmost importance to really consider, you know, what is being said. So let's break down this word repentant for, for a minute. When you look at it in the Greek, the, the translation gives the idea to think differently afterwards, that is to, uh, reconsider something and to feel a sense of moral, uh, compunction, which is like a sense of, um, maybe a uh, sorrow, uh, from, uh, from the guilt or, or something like that. So in ultimately we get these, uh, three words, and that is to turn and to return and to change So I'm going to focus first on the turn part. That is that I believe that this concept and this idea gives the ultimate definition of what uh, repentance actually is. And that is to turn. And so in the concept of turning, that when you begin to face uh, a certain objects or turn to a certain uh, thing or person or situation, That you're automatically uh, turning your back or turning away from something else. So I believe uh, from the definitions that we find in the Hebrew, um, that this concept of repentance has its greatest definition in turning. And that is uh, turning to God. I believe the God's word translation uh, said that an absolute certainty turn to God. So in this, um, we automatically turn away from something else and we're going to go into full detail of what this, uh, turning away from is, and that is the world, the flesh and the devil, and that the turning away, um, or the turning to God automatically causes us to turn away. And each time that we turn to God, uh, whether that is in a moment of crisis or in prayer or uh, a revelation of something inside of our life that needs a correction and we turn to God, there is a turning. There is an actually a, a turning away from something that happens automatically. Now, this doesn't need to be forced. It doesn't need to be made happen. And here's the problem that I I find with this uh, concept and idea is that many people focus on the turning away from evil. And that is that's all they're talking about. And that is that uh, you need to turn away from this sin and this sin and this sin and this sin. And what all of that conversation misses is the turning to. Now, if we begin to turn to God, then the other happens as a byproduct and, and a fruit. And um, That is, it begins to happen automatically uh, as a byproduct of turning to him inside of our lives. But on the flip side, if we begin to focus on all the all, all the sin and all the negativity and all the things that we need to turn away from, We enter into another realm and it's not the realm of power. It's in the realm of white knuckling it. Okay. And we're looking at all our mistakes and all the things that we need to change. And we're saying that I need to turn away from all of these things. Now, I'm not saying that, that that's not a reality. I'm just saying that as you turn to God, that you're automatically turning away from something else. Let me explain how this works is if I have a an addiction that brings me a sense of comfort what I'm doing is I'm, I'm placing my trust and confidence inside of that addiction and that has become my source uh, whether I realize it or not whether I admit it or not uh, that thing is my source and I'm turning to it uh, for the benefit that I derive from this substance okay So now if I go to God and I say, you know what? He, he is going to be my source instead of turning to this uh, thing for comfort, then I'm going to turn to him for comfort. What is that going to do? That's going to cause me to place my trust and reliance upon the source and that I'm going to, um, that I'm going to turn to him and that in turn will give me the power and the strength to turn away from the other thing. So here's, here's the detrimental thing. And I already talked about it a little bit. When you set people up to turn away from something, their focal point isn't, isn't upon God. Their focal point is just struggling to turn away from whatever object um, that has their obsession and has their focus. You see, the best way to drop an obsession is to begin to be obsessed about something else. Right. And so you become uh, your focal point becomes on God and he becomes your source and you become obsessed with him. And the it, it loses the the hold and the obsession on the other things inside of life. So when we talk about the world, the flesh and the devil, here's the reality that as we turn to God in each area of our life, we are going to automatically turn away from something. And that is with this kingdom message that we are um, coming under the authority and the realm of the king and that I'm going to allow that to be my focal point that automatically is going to turn away from the kingdoms of this world. And you say, well, what about all the half heartedness that's going on once one step into God and one step into the world and and this divided allegiances? that are taking place. And we'll definitely talk about this in the future, but what is going on here is a lack of focus upon turning to God. And that man is turning to, to other things uh, for fulfillment, for purpose and for comfort and for all of these things. And so if, if the focus shifts to turning to God, those things will begin to drop off. And that's just the way that the the kingdom operates and that the kingdom works. So as I turn to uh, God, what I also turn away from is not only the world and the uh, devil, but the flesh. And that is this uh, where self is the sinner, and that self is enthroned and that I'm selfish and I'm just seeking uh, that I am. Uh, that I'm fed, that I'm clothed and that I'm protected and that, you know, that I have, uh, um, the Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. And I'm just looking at myself, um, in that situation, when I turn to God, I'm also uh, turning away from the South. All right. So the next definition is to return. And I find this to be a, a powerful, powerful statement because I think about Adam And I think about the kingdom and the authority and everything that was given to him. And he was supposed to have dominion, uh, subdue the earth and all of these different things. So when I think of the concept of returning, I think of coming back to God's original intent. I see focusing on um, what God uh, originally intended and allow that to be my focal point. So I return back to God's will. God's purpose and God's attention for my life. And that is a powerful concept of returning. And then lastly is change. This is a, this word comes from the word uh, metamorphosis. And as we know, the, the caterpillar and the butterfly and the process of, of transformation and all of these things, when we think of repent in that fashion is that, you know, we, we make a decision. That is uh, an immediate metamorphosis. I mean, it, uh, you know, we are born from above and and transformation begins to happen in our thoughts and our belief system. I thought that, uh, you know, I was going to get satisfaction from the world and its systems and all these different things. But I'm withdrawing that thought and I'm placing my trust inside of the kingdom of God and that I'm going to turn to him and I'm going not going to turn to those things. That is the immediate metamorphosis. But then it it fleshes out in the transformation that begins to happen inside of our lives that that initial uh, repentance becomes a powerful reality of shedding and dropping off the things that uh, that are unhealthy and that are detrimental for us. So what are the passages that support this idea? Acts 1730 says this, truly these times of ignorance got overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Woo. Read that back. It says, God, we're saying it to you. Truly Tim, these times I once overlooked, but now I command all men everywhere to repent. (sighs) Sit with that for a bit. Acts 26, 20. First, to those in Damascus and Jerusalem and then to everyone in the region of Judea I, and then to the Gentiles, I declared that they should repent and that they should turn to God and that they should perform deeds worthy of their repentance. So this I want you to grab hold of because, you know, we often have the idea that, um, you know, Jesus taught something else. But this is um, Paul mirroring everything that we're talking about here and that his message was, and the things that he declared was that people should repent number one, and that they should turn to God number two, and that they should do uh, deeds that is like works and actions and behaviors that are worthy of that repentance and of that change. And that is a, a powerful message um, that has been totally lost and forsaken in this name it and claim it, blab it and grab it sort of society. So what does this say about God? Uh, it says to me that uh, repentance is paramount and repentance is required and we are talking about uh, uh entrance into God's realm and placing ourselves under his authority and under his domain sway and influence and this is a fundamental kingdom principle God wants us to turn to him now not because that he has this need within himself that you know I really have this need that they need to turn to me no what the idea is, is that I see the pain. I see what you're doing to yourself by turning to the world. And you think that, uh, that the systems of the world, which we'll go into greater detail uh, soon, you think that they're going to bring you the happiness and the satisfaction that you want. And they're empty. And God knows that the answer uh, to that is turning to him. And the byproduct will be that you would turn away from your trust and reliance upon those systems for the fulfillment and for the satisfaction that you are looking for. So God wants you to turn to him. And lastly, um, God expects fruit. God expects fruit. And that is that, um, you know, if you turn to him and if you really turn to him, then these allegiances and these sources in these places where you place your trust in the past uh, are naturally going to begin to fall off. And he thoroughly expects for that to happen. Okay. And any area that that doesn't happen in our uh, inside of our lives is evidence to the fact that um, maybe God doesn't have full domain over that area of your life. And uh, you're kind of holding on to it. And and he might be telling you to turn to him and to let that go. So what does that say about us? That his message of uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is to us. And it is a call and the call goes out and it's an an invitation uh, to come under his kingship and his domain. And so we all have to respond to that. And that is that, am I going to accept the invitation to um, be in his realm or not? Am I going to be a partaker of his divine nature or not? Am I going to come under his sway, his realm and his influence or not? And me uh, making that decision is saying that uh, he is going to be my king and I am going to be his subject and that I'm going to be a citizen inside of his realm. And so the message is to us. And not only that, but our response is required. Okay. So what is the application? I already talked about these three repentance, uh, turn to God and perform deeds worthy of that repentance. Uh, seeing that the decision that you made was not to escape hell and go to heaven. The decision you made was to pledge allegiance to the King. And to allow his uh, realm to begin to influence your heart. And so that is the ultimate uh, application of what we're talking about. So let's uh, let's talk about this for a minute. What misconceptions does this all clear up? The number one misconception I touched on in just for a second is that. Paul preached some kind of different gospel, right? And we see Jesus, um, starting his ministry saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we see in the book of acts that, um, that Paul's message that he declared that that men should repent, turn to God, perform deeds worthy of repentance. And we don't see a different sort of uh, a gospel or message uh, being proclaimed. What we have today is um, belief being watered down to mere mental assent. And that is if you give a head nod to certain uh, creeds or you give a a head nod to a certain prayer, or if you say, you know, will you accept Jesus Christ as your savior? And um, all of that communication is very watered down. It was funny. uh, Recently, I seen a, a clip of of um it's kind of uh, was tongue-in-cheek but the the guy asked if uh elon musk if he would accept uh, jesus christ as his uh savior and uh elon Musk responded, well sure why not you know and so that kind of uh attitude of 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 the message it doesn't um it doesn't display what is actually uh, taking place. It doesn't uh, affect our allegiance. It doesn't uh, uh, ask us to turn to God and thereby that is going to be manifested by, by turning away from these other things. It It's very um, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> it doesn't cost nothing. There's, a, you know, there's nothing required of me. I mean, the decision doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, uh, radically change the heart. So the misconception, this bust is that Paul preached a different gospel and he didn't at all. Another misconception, this bust is that change is not required. We see uh, on Jesus proclaiming it. We see Paul proclaiming it. And uh, we, we know we don't even have to go to James or Peter because everybody knows that, that they, they included that inside of their message. Right. The only person we're unsure of is Paul because he seems to imply something different, uh, but he really doesn't when you think about it. Change, uh, transformation, metamorphosis uh, is required. In fact, understanding that when you pledge allegiance to the king, um, you are now in a process of overall change. You, you are going through an overhaul and you have put yourself on the potter's wheel and have said that I'm going to allow you to mold me and I am going to allow you to shape me. So here's this, this mentality that this breaks. We want to go to the dentist because we have uh, severe pain. We have a, a tooth and a nerve that needs a root canal, right? And we got this extreme pain and we just say, uh, uh stop my pain, Right. And then so the dentist, you know, does that. He, um, he stops the pain uh, and he also uh, cleans your teeth. And then he also uh, checks everything else that you need for a complete overhaul of your mouth. Okay. And so the reality is, is that we want to come to God because we have this pressing, urgent pain. Uh, could be classified as a sin an addiction or whatever it is. And we come to him and say, God, help me remove this. And that is fine. And then there's nothing wrong with that. And he will help you overcome that challenge and all that, all that stuff. But what happens a lot of times is, you know, after the pain is gone, we get comfortable. And that is, we don't understand that the dentist is is, uh, going to give us a complete overhaul. That we entered the process of metamorphosis by that decision. And it dealt, some, dealt with some major issues right at the beginning, right? A complete transformation and all that stuff. But not only that is that we are going to engage inside of this overhaul that uh, God is going to begin to be king inside of our lives. And he is going to begin to reign and his sway and influence is going to go to every single area of our life. He's not interested in just removing one single pain. So uh, another misconception, this bust is that um, the false ideas of repentance. And I want to mention them here so we can bust them. We talked about that. It's turning and returning and it's the process, engaging in the process of metamorphosis, right? So that is not, it's not being sorry, sorry is good i mean it's okay i mean i'd feel um it's better than nothing you know woe to the man who does mean things to people and doesn't feel any sort of sorrow or feeling sorry for it right but the reality is is that people can feel sorry for all kinds of different reasons they can feel sorry that they got caught they can feel sorry for uh the prison sentence that they're going to have to do they're going to feel sorry for their uh for their wife um Uh, Issuing uh, the divorce, right? You can feel sorry for all kinds of reasons. And usually uh, it's connected to the pain and the consequences of actions. And so it's not, that's not enough. Uh, It's also not a promise to change. (laughs) But like, man, they really changed. Why? Because they made a declaration or a promise to change. And what that negates is the actual track record that follows You see, the only thing you know about a person is their track record and they can say all kinds of different things. That doesn't mean uh, that it's actually affected their heart and that change is actually really going to happen. So it's not a promise to change. Um, The next is a simple confession. People confess uh, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, some people confess just to relieve their own conscience so another person knows, so they can get it off of their chest. And it's very a uh, self-centered approach. It has nothing to do with uh, true uh, turning to God or any form of true metamorphosis. It's just an act to get this off of my mind and off of my conscience, and I'm going to unload it upon somebody else. And the next one is just reformation only. You know, I've seen a lot of people, uh, change in the sense of like dropping a habit because of the pain that it's caused them. Right. That the, the pleasure has worn off and now their, their addiction is really painful and they begin to, um, a shift begins to happen. They say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to change my behavior. So they stop using. Right. And they're just as miserable, just as hateful, just as they're all the person that they used to be. It's just, they no longer use the substance. And that is that this metamorphosis that we're talking about, this change transformation is just not behavior only. You know, many people could stop certain acts and behaviors for all kinds of different reasons. That doesn't mean that they're turning to God. And it doesn't mean that they've engaged in the process of metamorphosis. Okay. Uh, another one is uh walking down to the altar or saying a prayer these kind of go together or raising your hand when when the call is given now just because you walk down or just because you raise a hand or just because you say a prayer doesn't mean that you're actually turning to god you know those are outward behaviors um but only uh, a track record will tell uh, if you've actually um, made the decision to actually turn to him and to pledge allegiance to his kingdom and come under his sway and under his influence all right that is all i got peace